Well, it was about nine years ago. Um, I was sitting in Starbucks right on Route 250 in Sandusky next to Myers. It was around 8.30 in the morning, and God was going to change my life and the life of my family forever, and I had no idea that it was going to happen. Now, give me a little bit of background here for you. So this happened in a life where our life was right in the middle of transition. Uh, my family and I, we just moved from Germany back to the United States. Didn't really know what we we're going to get ourselves into. All we knew was that that is what God had for us, and that's where he wanted us to be. My oldest daughter, Chloe, who was a junior in high school, was about nine years old at the time. Our youngest daughter, Gracie, that you're going to meet in a moment, wasn't even born yet. Rachel was pregnant. And we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, because we didn't know what was going to happen, we moved into Rachel's grandparents' house. They were kind enough to take us in because really when we moved from Germany, we left everything behind and only took a couple of suitcases when we arrived in the United States. They were kind enough to let us live in their house, but what that meant was that we were living in their family room. No doors, no privacy, a couple of mattresses on the floor that we would sleep on. Not the most comfortable place, I can tell you. But it was a time where we just didn't know what God was going to do. However, we did have one prayer that morning. And Rachel and I actually got together and we said, well, since we don't know what God's going to do, well, one thing we want to know for sure is that we can find a church home where we can feel welcome and loved and where we can grow in our faith, and especially have our kids grow in their faith as well as they're continuing through the ages. Now, I tell you, I had not heard about the chapel until that point. And I didn't really expect God to answer that prayer right away or in the same way that he did. In fact, when I sat down this morning and doing my devotions in the middle of Starbucks, I wasn't even thinking about the prayer we prayed that morning. But God answered it anyway. Because all of a sudden, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and so I turned around, and there was this young guy, energetic, and he started to talk to me randomly. Never met him in my life, never seen him before, and he said, hey, I see you're reading this Christian book. Are you a Christian by chance? I, I'll be very upfront with you. I, I don't like to be interrupted usually, so I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, sure, and gave him a little bit of my life story, not a whole lot. I just want to get rid of him. Um, but he was kind of persistent, and you'll know in a minute why. But he said, hey, you know, um, so then I asked him at the end of the conversation, because I really wanted just to be nice and polite, and so I asked him, well, what do, what do you do? Preston looks at me and says, well, I'm one of the youth leaders at the chapel in Sandusky. Didn't really know that it was Pastor Eric at the time. And I looked at him, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And since we just prayed about this, I asked him, well, do you guys have a kids program? And he said, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a great kids program. They do all these programs, and they really put a lot of effort into it. And while he was saying it, I'll, be, I'll tell you, I thought, well, that was a silly question. I mean, he's one of the leaders there. He's going to tell me it's going to be a good program. He's not going to tell me the truth. <laughs> not that we ever not tell you the truth. Don't get me wrong. But the situation was this, that enough of a conversation happened that morning that actually that Saturday, my wife Rachel and I, went to the Saturday service in Sandusky. It was the only campus at the time that the chapel had. And we loved the message, don't get me wrong, we loved the worship and singing together. But what made the difference to me was actually on our way out. Because I turned around as I was driving out the parking lot, I turned around and my daughter Chloe was sitting in the back and I looked at her and I said, hey Chloe, what did you think about this? And her eyes got really wide 
And she said, that was awesome. I mean, there was this guy in a diaper and he had tattoos and he was telling us about Jesus. That was Joe Binkley, who's now leading our student ministries in Norwalk. And for me, though, at that time, I was hooked. And that's why we never stopped coming anywhere else. I never stopped going anywhere else. Now, why am I telling you this story? It's simple because for me, if Pastor Eric would have never reached out at that time, who knows what God would have done? I mean, God has other ways too, but he used Eric in that moment to bring us closer to him. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what brought you to this place or even brought you to a place to discover faith. But man, what would have happened if that person that has played a part in your life would have never done that? And actually, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning as we're finishing off officially our Colossians series. We got baptisms next weekend, but today's the last time we're really looking at the scripture of Colossians and the book of Colossians that the Apostle Paul wrote. Now, I love that series. I don't know about you. I mean, I love the book of Colossians because it's so, it's so theological, so there's a lot of really good meat in there, but it's also very, very practical. If you remember, we talked as part of this series about the old and the new life and how those two contrast. Then we learned about how the Bible talks about our relationships and how we should live in relationship with others, with our spouses, with our children. And then Pastor Ryan last weekend did an excellent job of sharing how work is worship. And how we need to see our work and the things that we do every day as worship. Well, today, we want to together look at how the Apostle Paul calls all of us to reach out. To reach out to other people to share about our faith with them. Now, before we do that, though, before we go into the scriptures, one thing that we've done as part of this series also is we have a memory verse. And don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you if you memorized it. I'm sure some of you have. Um... But I loved memory verses when I was a child. Actually, I grew up in a church where we learned a lot of memory verses. And what's so powerful to me is that even today, if I hit a rough spot, God is going to use those memories to trigger it. And all of a sudden, a verse comes into my mind, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is really helpful. So I really want to encourage you, if you've not learned them yet, to learn them. But in our house, in our home, over the last few days, there was a little bit of a frenzy and a very lot of commotions because my youngest daughter, Gracie, was really trying to get make sure that she learned that memory verse. And yes, I bribed her with candy to bring her up here. But um, Gracie, why don't you come up and um, see if you remember our memory verse so you can lead us all as we start off this morning. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right. As long as I get my candy. As long as you get your candy. Okay, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, in the strengthened in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Awesome. Can we give a round of applause? Of course, I promise you candy, so here's one for you. But Gracie, why don't you help me real quick? And since I know some of you guys have already learned your, your, learned your memory verse as well, I brought some candy for you as well, so watch out so I don't hit you. But... Here you go, you get some more too. Gracie, throw it on the other side. All right, oh. I think that bounced off Pastor Ryan's head. That was pretty impressive. Good job, Gracie. Thank you. Yeah, give a round of applause. All right, but let's look together at what the book of Colossians teaches us 
when it comes to reaching out. And this is actually the verses that I'm going to focus on today. And I want to read them together. I want to read them for you as we go through. This is what it says in chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. It says, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. He goes on to say, That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, I love those verses because there's really three themes that for me stood out as I was reading them and I was looking at the life of the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter. These are the three things I want to look at us together this morning. The first one that comes out to me is Paul's passion about this message, about sharing about our faith to others. The other thing that stood out to me is that Paul really embraces his life circumstances. And then lastly, we're going to look at Paul's approach and how we practically do that when we share about our faith. And to summarize the entire message into one sentence, uh, this is what we call our bottom line. So what that means is if you can remember one thing at the time you walk out, that I'm happy, this is the sentence I want you to remember. That God wants, us to, wants to use me to influence others towards Christ regardless of my and your circumstances. But let's dive right into our first point. It's all about Paul looking for opportunities. Paul is passionate about this message of faith. In fact, when he uses the word devote, what that means is that he gives his all or in large part his time, resources, and energy to something. And if you look at this verse, it says, well, pray for us because I want many opportunities. What that tells me is that Paul wasn't somebody that was waiting for things to happen to him or people to come to him. He was actively seeking out other people to share about what God had done in his life. Now, maybe you're new to church. Maybe this is your first time or one of the first times or you didn't grow up in church and you don't really know what this means. Well, you're not alone because the other thing that stood out to me in this passage was the mysterious plan concerning Christ. Well, what is that? Maybe you've heard it. We've used terms here in church language as the good news or we talk about the gospel but maybe you've never known or understood what that actually means. Well, I am a very visual person. Um, you will know this about me if you've met me. I'm a very practical person. So I thought I'm going to demonstrate it to you real quick about what that means to the mysterious plan that the Apostle Paul talks about. So this is what it is. This is, this is you. This glass represents you and me, okay? What this means is that when God created the earth, he created you and he created me, and it was perfect. You can see the water is clear. He created you because he loves you, because he cares for you, and he wants you to have a good and happy life. He wants for you more to be perfect with him. But that's not all. God didn't create us to be puppets. He didn't create us to be just doing exactly what he wants us to do. He did something else for us. He gave us what we call free will. Free will is the decision to us to do what we think is right and do whatever we want to do. We have the choice to make decisions. So that's you. But because he gave us 
free will. Very quickly, even when you read the accounts of the Bible, the first few people, only a few sentences in, what that meant was because they had free will and they could make their own decisions, sin and pain entered the life. What we call sin is everything that we do that is not really what Christ wants us to do, not really what God's plan was for you and for your life, but we decide to do it anyway, even if we know it's wrong. Well, that's sin, is what we call sin and pain. So I don't know about you, but I know in my life I've sinned many, many times. And so what happens is that sin enters our life. And you can see sin very quickly contaminates our life, right? It makes something in us that is different. And the sad part is that actually Romans 3.23 talks about it, that when sin enters our life, the penalty for that is death. Not necessarily physical death, but a separation from God in eternity. And I don't know about you, but you and I, we can try whatever we can. We can have perfect church attendance. We can do a lot of good things for other people, but it doesn't wash away the things that have contaminated us, the sin that has entered our lives. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus, which is represented by this. Jesus entered this world. He was the Son of God, and He came because He loves you and He loves me. And He he knew that we couldn't save ourselves. And because He was God's Son, He lived the perfect life. And at the end of it, He died on that cross. He died on that cross for you and for me, and because he was God's son, three days later, he was resurrected. And so he is still perfect. He was still clear. Now, we still have a decision to make. He did it all. He did his part. Now, you and I have a decision to make. The decision is, do we want to invite him into our lives? Do we acknowledge that we can't do it ourselves and we need him to save us? It's like Christmas is coming up, and it's a free gift that he did it all, We don't have to accept it. And that can be a simple prayer. That can be a simple acknowledgement of saying, God, I know you are God and I'm not, and I need you. And as soon as we do that, guess what happens? Jesus enters our life. And what does that do to us? It makes us clean. His, because he died on that cross for our sins. He took the sins upon himself and made us clean. He made you clean if we simply accept him. Now, like I said, though, I still make a lot of mistakes. I still make plenty of sins. Don't get me wrong. So that doesn't mean that sin and pain is all of a sudden out of our lives. So it's still going to happen that occasionally we're going to sin. But what that means is that if God looks at your life and at my life, and it comes to end of our lives, and it's going to come to the point where we're either going to make it to heaven or not, In the eyes of God, you and I are still completely clean as long as we accept him. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that even if you've never been to the church, I bet you that you've probably heard at least about the reference or about that verse. Because they put it in football stadiums and all over the place. And that's John 3.16. And that's what it says. It says this, and really it summarizes all I've explained to you in one simple sentence. It says, for this is how God loved the world, because he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So it's not about what we do. It's not about how often we go to church or how committed we are in our faith. It's all about Jesus 
and what he has done for you and for me. And that's what the mysterious plan is that Paul is talking about in our verses is exactly that. Now, maybe you sit here this morning and you've never made that choice. Maybe you're sitting here and you've never made that decision. Can I encourage you to do that this morning? I would love for you to be part of it because I can tell you in my life, I've made many bad choices, but that was the best decision I have ever made in my life. If you ask people around you, they'll tell you the same thing. Now, that doesn't mean that your life's going to be great and happy and, you know, you're going to make lots of money. That's not the case at all. But it is giving you eternal life, and it is Jesus cleansing you from all of the sin, no matter what you have done in your past. And so if you want to do that this morning after the service, let me just encourage you. Pastor Ryan and I will be up front. We would love to talk that through with you. We'd love to help you taking that next step in your journey. And maybe you're still searching. Maybe you're still looking for some more answers. I just want to let you know that next week, actually on Saturday, Friday and Saturday in our Sandusky campus, we're going to be hosting our foundations class. And that is designed for people that are still exploring their faith. And it's free. You can just sign up by texting. And um, it's an easy thing just to show up. There's good food. Uh, but they're going to talk a little bit more about exactly what I just described to you and what the Bible says and maybe help you answer some of those questions. But I can tell you that the life of Paul was transformed exactly by Jesus. And maybe you know the story of Paul. He wasn't like the, the, the nicest kid on the block. In fact, he was really committed in everything that he does. And when he wrote another letter to one of his friends named Timothy, he said that actually, you know what, if I look back at my life, I wasn't just a little sinner, like I just didn't do, you know, I was a really good person, but, you know, I did a little bit of bad things here or there. Actually, Paul describes himself as the worst sinner of all. And that is because when Paul, before Paul met Jesus, what happened was that Paul was actually persecuting. He was trying to find, hunt down, and then help kill some of the Christians of people that believed in this Jesus before Paul had the personal encounter with him. But I think that's why Paul is so passionate about this message. That's why Paul is so passionate about it for us to say, we need to reach out to others and help them discover the good news that God and what Jesus has done for them. So there's no doubt that Paul is passionate about what we just discovered together. But not only that, Paul also embraces his life circumstances because a lot of times when life is easy, when life is good, and we're at a high point in our life, it always seems easy to say, oh yeah, God is great, and I'm happy to share anything, but that's not what Paul finds himself in. It'd be easy for him to sit on a beach somewhere, you know, with a little cocktail and just philosophizing, I'm not sure that's a word, but I'll take it anyway, uh, philosophizing about life and ministry. That's not where Paul writes this letter. In fact, verse 3 puts it this way, he says, this is why I am here in chains, and he writes that because Paul is sitting in a Roman prison cell at the time. Now, they call it house arrest, but that was, doesn't mean that it was a flat screen TV and Netflix all the time. It was a really bad place, and most likely he was actually chained to another guard so he wouldn't escape. So I'll be honest, Paul had every excuse in the book to say, well, I don't, I, you know, I can take a break from sharing about Jesus, right? It'd be easy to say, well, I don't need to do that, but that's not what Paul does. Even in these circumstances, he challenges you and me to say, man, I want to reach out. I want you to reach out and share about this Jesus with others. 
Paul did not let his circumstances dictate his mission. He didn't use excuses to say, no, I'm not going to do that. He continued to focus. And that was not just a one-time event. Actually, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is described in Acts 16, and Paul is in prison, and he's in there because of his faith and because he wouldn't stop talking about this Jesus. And he sits there with a friend named Silas. And um, actually, this is what exactly it says. It says that they were stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged, and then thrown in prison. Not probably his best day. But the next verse is what shocks me, because I think even the most radical, committed Christian would say, okay, yes, you're all good, you know, you've done your duties, you're doing great, let's just wait out in prison until you get out, and then you can get back into it. But that's not what Silas and Paul actually do. This is what they do. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. In the middle of a dark, deep cell, after being beaten with rods and um, you know, almost killed, what they do is they decide to have a worship jam session. But that's how committed he is. And I think for us as believers, if we truly embrace and understand what Jesus did for you and for me, we want to be the same. We want to help reach out to other people, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it means that we need to step out of our comfort zone, even if it means that our circumstances may not be perfect, but we're still going to do it. I don't know what your excuse is. And I, I know I have mine. I'm not blaming you. I have my own excuses many times. Well, I'm too busy right now, you know, because of my kids, because of the parents that we have to take care of, because of the, my work schedule is just too busy to share with anybody else about Jesus. You fill in the blank, whatever your excuse is or whatever you use not to share it. But Paul didn't do that. And I'm hoping that the message of Paul and his circumstance will encourage you to embrace your circumstances. Because Paul didn't look at what was wrong, he looked at the opportunity of what was right. Now, here in the United States, don't get me wrong, we, have it, we are very fortunate. Not many of us ever have to endure persecution, which is being haunted or heard or try to be attacked because of your faith. I don't think any of us probably are in danger of being thrown into prison like Paul was because of our faith. In fact, many of us probably aren't even aware that that's still a reality for millions and millions of Christians around the world. But there are brothers and sisters, people that believe the same thing we do right now, living in other countries that are facing exactly that. And the reason why I bring this up is because the month of November, and actually today, is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And so what I want to do in a moment is just to say a prayer on all of our behalfs for our brothers and sisters around the world, partitioning for them and for what, what God is using them in their lives. But just to give you a couple of statistics, over 245 million people currently live in about 50 countries that are considered the worst for Christianity. Out of those, over 4,000 people were killed in this last year alone for their faith. Over 1,266 churches were actually attacked, burned down, and destroyed because of what was happening inside. And about 2,600 fellow believers, people like you and I, were detained, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned for, for, um, for their faith, many without even having ever received a trial. So let me just take a moment just to pray for our brothers and sisters and lift them up together. Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for 
the example that the Apostle Paul set for us and the amazing message and the amazing thing that, Jesus, you have done for us. But, Father, we want to just pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that don't have it as easy and as nice as we do right now, that are maybe sitting in a prison cell, that are waiting for resentenced or even put to death, or that are being beaten or even worried for the safety for them and their families because of what they believe. And, Father, in those moments, I just want to pray for your peace and your strength in their hearts, that they will not give up to share the good news about you, that they're not going to be quiet, but that you will find a way to keep them safe and let them continue on their mission, just like you asked us to do our mission today. And so, God, we thank you for their courage and how it encourages me and how it challenges me that I, don't, I can live with my excuses and I can overcome them because of what they have done and what the Apostle Paul have done, has done. So, God, we just lift you up this morning and pray for the rulers of those governments as well that are trying to keep you at bay, that are trying to squash down the message. And, God, we know you cannot be stopped. And so, Father, we pray for a miracle in those countries and those laws that are being affected and for our brothers and sisters. Be close to them and draw them near today and let them know that you are right there in that prison cell next to them, just like you are with us. We thank you and love you. Amen. So that's the Apostle Paul, right? He challenges you and me to share about our faith. And I hope that, just like I said, and, you know, that his example and the example of many Christians around the world, it challenges us to say, man, I need to step up. And maybe it's time for us to think about maybe the circumstances that you are in is actually exactly the reason why God wants to use you in those moments. Maybe the people at work that you rub shoulders with every day are exactly the people that God is challenging you to reach. Maybe the people that sit in class with you are exactly the people that you can influence to help them take one of their steps in their faith. Maybe the people exercising next to you don't know Jesus yet, but they're going through a hard time and you are God's messenger to them. Just remember at the beginning of the story, what if, what if Eric would have never come up and tapped me on the shoulder? We would have never found the chapel and been able to grow in our faith. And like I said, maybe there's somebody influential in your life that helped you find Jesus and what if that person would have never reached out? Maybe it's time for us now to take that baton and pass it on to other people. Now, I found this quote on Pinterest, so I'm going to just claim it that I said it, but I didn't. But I love what this says. is whatever situation that you're currently in, God has put you there either for, uh, for a reason, for a lesson, and for a purpose. So let's not let our circumstances dictate what God has for us Next. Now we talked about God's pa Paul's passion for the gospel, for what Jesus did for him because of his background and because of what amazing a thing is that Jesus has done for you and for me. We also talked about life circumstances and that Paul challenges us not to stop preaching his message to others because of where we found ourselves in. So we talked about the why, the what, and the when. But I want to finish our time together looking at the how. And how God wants us to share our faith and what the examples are that Paul uses in that passage that we read to help others to find Jesus. Because I think we've all seen people do it really badly, right? There is a good way and a, and a not so good way when we share about our faith. And so there's three simple steps I want you to consider as you go out and share his message. And the first one is the step of prayer. That's a game changer right from the beginning. If you don't start with prayer and asking God for his help, then we might as well not do it. 
And there's really two prayers I want you to consider praying this morning together with me as we go on that journey in following the challenge that Paul has set out for us. The first one is that prayer for opportunities. We talked about that earlier, prayer for opportunities. And what Paul says or means by that is that he wants us to pray with eyes wide open. Now, that's not necessarily a physical eyes wide open. Like if you drive in your car next to me, please pray with your eyes wide open. But otherwise, what that means is to look and look at the opportunity, see people with God's eyes around us. And when you pray that prayer, you may be astonished that, you know, maybe it's the person on the side of the road that has a flat tire that needs to hear about Jesus today. Maybe it's the waitress that, um, you know, that's serving you and that just needs an encouragement today from you because her life's falling apart on the other end. Maybe it's one of your kids as they come home from school and they share about your day. Maybe that is your time to share to them about how God is relevant in their moment in their life right now. I want to tell you about a sweet person in our church. Her name is Mary, but I didn't even know that her name was Mary because everybody just calls her Grammy. Um, and Grammy goes to our Norwalk campus. She's a little bit older and more seasoned in her life, and so her life circumstances actually surround doctor's appointments. She goes from one doctor's appointment to the next, to the next, to the next. In case, actually, two days ago, um, Grammy had a major stroke. She was flown into Toledo. She's doing much better today, but that's her reality. But what I love about Grammy is that that doesn't stop her from sharing the gospel because Grammy prays for opportunities. And in a recent conversation, she said this, and I had to write it down because it was so good. She said, there's not a nurse or a doctor that I come in contact with that doesn't hear about Jesus and what he has done for me. They all get to hear about the chapel as well, by the way. And then when we ask her, well, you know, are they ever come? Do they actually respond? She said, yes, many of them have, and they continue to come. Let me see this again. There's a, a woman that could easily have every reason in the world not to share the gospel, but this is what she says. She says, there's not a nurse or a doctor that I come in contact with that doesn't hear about the good news of Jesus and what he has done for me. Now, we in the worst of circumstances can pray for opportunities like that and then embrace them when they come. And that's really the second prayer that I want us to consider this morning. We want to pray for opportunities, but I also want us to pray for fearlessness. I don't know what's keeping you from Jesus and from sharing Him. What kind of fears and insecurities I know I carry, and it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's a fear of rejection or disappointment. Maybe it's a fear of not knowing what to say and how to say it. Maybe it's just a fear of inability altogether. But I told you, one of the verses that I will never forget in my life actually comes from the Apostle Paul. It was written in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. And in my bedroom throughout my childhood, it was hanging on a plaque on the wall. And it said this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a, a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. Let me say that again. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a, a, a spirit of love, of power, and of self-control. So let's together pray for God to remove the fears out of our lives and to remove those barriers for us to move forward. The second step after we take time to pray is then to invest our lives or live our lives with others. Verse 5 in the verse, this is what we read from the Apostle Paul, it says this, is this, live wisely among those who are not believers. 
And what that means is that actually we need to live among non-believers, as simple as that sounds. Paul challenged us in those verses that we need to surround ourselves with people not just that think, believe, act, do, and that's it, like us. He actually challenges us to surround ourselves with other people that think differently. And I'll be the first one. I was convicted of that yesterday morning as I was preparing and reading through my message and practicing it. And I had to pull my wife aside and say, well, what was the last time we actually spent time with somebody that didn't go to the chapel? Or when was the last time we spent time with somebody and had them over for dinner that didn't believe exactly what we believed in? And it was hard for us because it convicted me. And I said, man, we need to do that more often. Because it's easy for us that when we become believers to surround ourselves with people that are alike. And there's a benefit to that. Don't get me wrong. There's a strength that we can come together and encourage each other and be a part of a small group to grow in our faith together. But if we stay within that bubble, we're missing out. And not only do we miss out, actually the people that are outside of this bubble miss out even more. Look at it from that perspective. A lot of times when non-believers are asked in surveys, they say that they don't really ever rub shoulders with a Christian. They may know somebody, but they don't really know because they never engaged on them on a personal level. They never lived next to them. And the sad part is then what they also say is that's why when I think about Jesus and when I think about what a Christian is, I take all of my cues from the media, from the headlines that I read, and I got to be honest, that does not paint a pretty picture about what a Christian is. Actually, in fact, if I look at it, Christians are considered in our culture judgmental, right? I mean, we are known for what we're against instead of what we're for. We're known as hypocrites because, you know, people say we do things differently on Monday than what we hear on Sunday. We're considered boring because Christians can't have any fun, right? Well, I've got the privilege of knowing most of you, and I know that that's not the case for you. I know that's not the life you live The sad part is, though, if we don't rub shoulders and are next to other people that don't know that, then they're going to take their cues. And if that's what a believer is, I'm not surprised that many people resist coming to church or trying to find out more about that Jesus. That's why Paul encourages us to say, man, we want to encourage you to live closer with others. The other um, investment that we need to make in our lives is to share our lives with other, um, to be to investing our lives to be prepared. So when we're asked a question about our faith, we're ready to have an answer. The Apostle Paul talks about that too. Now, I don't have time this morning to go into details, but at our worship center, we have a great resource called Right Now Media. Maybe you've heard about it. It's free. It's easy to do. It's on an app. You can put it on your Roku TV and your Apple TV, whatever you want to do. You can pull it up on your phone, and it has short videos about different topics, and this is one of them. And so if you want to have more information, stop out at the Welcome Center. They're happy to get you logged on get you access to this resource, and you can study to be prepared because what would happen if I would have you guys stand up and say, well, how does God allow good, th- good things to happen? To- Sorry, how does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or, well, is the Bible even real? Isn't that just the book of fairy tales? What would you answer? So in order for us to live lives and be ready to be effective for him, we need to be ready in that message. And so spend some time getting ready for that. But after we prayed and we invested our lives in others and rubbed shoulders with other people that don't believe what we believe, there's a third step, and that's the actual invitation. That's taking the courage to invite somebody, and you'd be surprised how many people actually respond if you actually just invite them. But if you never do, they don't respond to it. And so maybe 
going a conversation deeper with your neighbor is your next step. Or Christmas is a great time to invite other people as well because of the traditions and the childhood memories that many of us still carry in our culture. Christmas is a great time to bring somebody in, which is why we as a church, even for the last two months, I think, have been preparing for our Christmas Eve service to make it really easy to understand and impactful for people, especially if they don't know Jesus. And so to make it easier for you to follow that step, on your way in, you should have received a card that looks like this. Last week, we gave you a card that was for you to keep to understand when our services is. The card that you received this week is actually for you to take to share with somebody else, for you to take and to give it to your neighbor or your coworker, and somebody says, hey man, I would love for you to join me at the chapel this Christmas. Here are the service times, and I love that we even have a Monday evening service, so if people already have plans for a Sunday, they can still come and attend, and we're going to have a great service with some lots of surprises, some great ways to engage people to help them in their faith journey, and this is not about the chapel. You can take them to any church I'm okay with, but it's about their eternity. It's about how God can use them to take their next step in their faith journey. Another thing you're going to see us do actually this afternoon for the next four Sundays in a row on social media, maybe you're more a tech person, and we're going to post, we actually went back to the vault, find the um, Christmas invite videos over the last few years, and we're going to repost them on our social media website for you so you can share them, so you can tag people in them, and you can simply help them take their next step to let them know that there is a Christ that loves them, that cares for them, and that he wants to save them and give them that free gift as well. Now, where are you in your faith journey? Maybe you're just exploring and you're new here, and today is a time where you need to make a decision. You need to make a decision for Jesus to take that next step. And if you do, then come and find Pastor Ryan or me after the service, and we would love to help you on that journey. Maybe you're beginning, you, you made that decision, but you're not really sure. Well, maybe it's time for you to pray, to pray for opportunities, for you to pray to reach other people and to see people with God's eyes. Maybe you've been a believer for a while, and you really want to engage in your faith, and it's time for you to do that by intentionally investing time with other non-believers and inviting them over for dinner, taking them out for lunch and just saying, hey, how's it going, really? Or maybe you've been a believer for a long, long time and it's time for you now to step in and influence others. And it's time for you to reach out to the people that you've already built relationships with and say, man, I want to tell you about this Jesus. I want to tell you about what he has done for me and man, I want you to know the same thing. Next weekend, we're going to celebrate baptisms. It's one of my favorite services of all times because we get to hear those stories about what happened when this happens, when Christ comes in and changes somebody's life. And so I want to encourage you to join us next weekend. And let me just, before I dismiss you, pray for all of us as we go and as we take that challenge that Paul gives us to reach out to others. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in this room. Thank you that you challenging each of us to take that next step. Thank you that you're challenging me through this message to reach out more and to reach out to people who don't know you yet, in regardless of our circumstances. God, and as we leave from this place, I pray your blessing over us. I pray that you'll help us to be effective ambassadors for you in our world, that we get to make changes in the people's lives for eternity because of what you have done, and you're the one that's going to use us in those moments. God, I thank you for everyone. I pray for many opportunities as we leave this place will make a difference and an impact for you. We thank you and we love you. Amen.